I don't believe in job security because I've seen, you know, I did work at a bank at one time and I saw at the bank that the people that were the highest up were the first ones to go when we merged with another bank because you only need so many supervisors. So the only way you're going to have job security is if you take control of your own life and you become your own boss, in my opinion. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to Weiss Advice. I'm your host, Yona Weiss. And with me today, we have Lisa Parrish. Lisa, all the way from Mooresville, North Carolina. Thanks for joining us, Lisa. Thank you for having me. All right. Just a little bit about Lisa. I would love to get you acquainted with her. She's been in the real estate industry for close to 20 years. She was a realtor in Arizona on a successful real estate team with her husband. And then the recession hit. And so they had to, you know, figure out how they were able to, to get things off the ground. And they decided they didn't want to work for anyone else anymore. And they did something that was, you know, most sane people would do is move totally across the country to somewhere nobody knows you. <laughs> and, you know, with two young boys and they decided that they had nothing to lose and they'll find a way to make it work. And they did. And they gave themselves no other choice. So I think this is going to be a fascinating interview today. You'll, you'll find out a little how they first bought a 23-unit apartment complex in North Carolina and decided to manage it themselves. And now fast forward 11 years later, together, Lisa and her husband are about to hit 3,000 units this year. So, you know, they have professional management and we want to dive a little in, Lisa, if you don't mind. You know, that trip across the country when, you know, the recession hit, you know, we're in right now a point in the United States that I think some may argue with this COVID-19, with the coronavirus pandemic, that some would argue that we're in an even worse place than we were as a country uh, back in 09. What do you think about that? I mean, I look at the economy a lot differently now, or the market a lot differently now than I did back then. I think we've Having gone through it before and getting ourselves through it, I think we're more prepared this time. And I think there's a lot of opportunity out there for people. So back then when I was in it and I was in a, you know, I was a new starting out investor and we really didn't know what we were doing. We were just buried and a lot of people felt like they were buried. But having gone through that, now I'm actually looking at it. All I see is opportunity. All I see is you know, yes, I realize that there's pain and suffering and I'm definitely not, you know, making light of that. But in every bad situation, there's also good that comes out of it. And there are a lot of people who are, who are thriving because they're finding that you just have to change the way you look at things, change the way your mind looks at, look at, looks at things. And I think there's a lot of new careers being built right now. A lot of people are changing the way they do things. A lot of people, a lot of companies, are realizing that they can do a lot of things remotely and save money, make more money, investing in things that they wouldn't normally do. So I think there's just a couple of different ways of looking at a, you know, sure. a, absolutely. I mean, going, going through that situation, I think, you know, a lot of people were going through 
right now what you may have felt, you know, 10, uh, 10 plus years ago. Yeah. Like, there's, a, there's a lot of fear going on, right? There's a lot of the yeah. unknown. You know, you lose your job, you lose your steady income, your lifestyle is not able to keep up. Like, you know, what are, what are a couple tips or some, you know, some advice that you would give to someone in that situation? I often look back and thank God that we actually were in that situation where we weren't comfortable. I see a lot of people who they have, you know, college degrees and they have these strong, these jobs where they feel comfortable and they think that they've got job security. I don't believe in job security because I've seen, you know, I did work at a bank at one time and I've seen, I saw at the bank that the people that were the highest up were the first ones to go when we merged with another bank. Because you only need so many supervisors. So the only way you're going to have job security is if you take control of your own life and you become your own boss, in my opinion. So I don't know. I, I mean, I, it's, when I look back, I just really, I'm really glad that we weren't comfortable, even though it's, it's hard to be out of your comfort zone. It's the only way that you grow. And we grew so much because we had nothing to lose. We felt like, as long as we have our health, as long as we, you know, we've got a roof over our head and we always did, we'll be fine. We've got each other. We'll meet people. We're going to work really, really, really hard because we don't have any other choice. We're not going to, you know, go live out on the street. And we're going to take care of our children. So when you're comfortable and you think that you've got job security, you don't challenge yourself. You don't step out of your comfort zone or step out of your, of your box. And the next thing you realize you really didn't actually have any security at all. And, you know, people lose their job and then they go, oh, no, what do I do now? So you so. put your security in God. And then, I mean, what, what did you, in your yeah. own talents, and what did you, where did you find that, you know, that strength? I mean, I guess you did it together with your husband. So that obviously yeah. was, you know, you had a family Sometimes to I look for. back. Sometimes I look back. People ask us that all the time. Sometimes I look back and I think, what were we thinking? How did we do that? But honestly, we were in a bad situation already. So we probably would have lost our house. We really didn't want to work for other people. And we enjoyed the freedom of being self-employed. So we had a taste of that. Once you get a taste of that, it's not for everyone. But for us, it was for us. We did not want to go back. So our, our options were go work for someone else and never get anywhere. Or take a chance, move across country. Right plan as much as you can, as much as you can, and figure out a way to make a life where at least we're in control. We don't have someone telling us what to do. We'll be able to, you know, we'll find a way to make it work. And it turned out that we thrive that way. We thrive on that, whatever it is that, that kept us motivated. But really, like I said, if we were comfortable, we probably wouldn't have done that. If we were comfortable, when we were making good money in real estate, we probably would have just kept doing that forever. Actually, to us, that was a blessing. And sometimes the worst things that happen, you know, the best things come out of it because it challenges you. And when you don't feel like there's anywhere to go but up, that risk doesn't actually seem so difficult. That's amazing. Yeah, I totally agree with that. You know, it's really just a change of perspective. And sometimes, like yeah. you said, those challenges that come in our lives that seem like the worst thing happening to us are actually a blessing in disguise. And we may not see the outcome right now, but you know, if you have, you put that trust in yourself and in God and you go forward with that and create opportunities, 
you know, and see, like you said, now you see a lot of opportunities right now. So, so yeah. let me switch gears a little bit. Like what, what opportunities are you seeing right now? Because you're in real estate and you're in multifamily real estate, right? So you're buying large right. apartment complexes. I mean, you went, right. <laughs> we're skipped, we skipped a lot, but you know, just in terms of going from 23 units to 3000 units, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. I'd love to hear a little bit about that as well. Well, I mean, I see opportunities in everything because it's the way that I, the way that I look at life now. I see just friends that I know that are changing careers because they were comfortable in what they were doing before and maybe it doesn't work anymore. And so they're challenging themselves. For us, you know, we're trying to buy deals and there's definitely a challenge. It's hard to get loans right now. We're in the middle of trying to buy 560 units right now. And it, it has really made things to the point where maybe for 10 minutes we thought about quitting on that deal. But we're really trying to find another way to do the deal. So, you know, my dad was in the real estate industry since the 70s. And he used to tell me about in the 80s when the rates were over 12%. Right. That's when people started bartering and they would you know that's when creative financing was was became so popular because the banks were not a good option and we're at that point right now where the banks might not be the best option and buyers and sellers if they want to do deals they need to be creative but creative financing is sometimes the best kind of financing sellers don't typically want to do it because they don't have to and you know, it's a little riskier for them, but it's definitely a lot, a lot less expensive. And it becomes, a, you know, if you can put together a win-win scenario, mm-hmm. it can be a lot less expensive than dealing with banks. So that's one thing that we're trying to do right now is we're trying to come up with a creative way of getting the seller to help us while we still give him the price that he wants. Gotcha. So I think in anything now, if you, you know, if you can look at when, you know, when we have a challenge that hits us, except for that, for I mean, we're human. So that first, you know, when it first hits it always hurts of course <laughs> you know because we're human doesn't matter but after we get over it you know give you know give us a couple hours or whatever then we start talking about it okay how can we turn this into an opportunity and so if you take those challenges and you figure out how can we make this a positive how can we turn this around and actually come out better than we would have before had that not happened and nine times out of ten we're able to and then we're glad that it happened and we end up better off than we would have Wow. Or at least, if not anything else, we learned. Sure, of course. So, practically speaking, do you suggest, like, you know, literally a certain point after after the pain has seeped in, and and you're, you know, you're kind of into that into that kind of transition stage where you're like, okay, well, now what? Mm-hmm. Do you practically like sit down and brainstorm? You know, hey, how can we turn this into a positive? Or you just kind of absolutely. Yeah. No, we, we do. My, it's either my husband, you know, some deals, just my husband and I are alone by ourselves. You know, it's just us. Some we have partners and we have a few different partnerships. So it's either the two of us, you know, sitting outside, maybe a glass of wine or, you know, we'll call our partners and we'll do a long, you know, conversation about how do we, what ideas do you guys have? And I actually enjoy having partners because so many different perspectives and so many different ideas come together when you're collaborating on, you know, how do we get past this? Right. And one idea turns into something that eventually ends up making sense. Gotcha. Sometimes I'll even get my brokers on the phone and they get, they give me ideas because of course they want to close the deals too. So. Of course. Yeah, for sure. 
So let's talk about, so you're, you're dealing with a 560 unit deal right now. Is that, did I hear that right? Yeah, it's actually, it's actually three properties. It's a portfolio. Gotcha. Okay. That we're working on. And you're dealing with, obviously the situation has changed now than it was a couple months ago. Yeah, we had our loan like ready to go and then they put everything on pause. And right now we're trying to figure out, you know, we're thinking maybe, maybe, maybe we take one down at a time. Maybe we do an assumption. You know, there's just a lot of different scenarios that we can go through. There's a hundred different things we can do before we ever give up. Absolutely. And it's never gotten to that point where we've had to give up on a deal because as long as the seller's motivated to, you know, to close the deal, which they usually are, we can make it happen. Amazing. So, so you had a, uh, a deal. Let's, let's go back to that 23-unit apartment complex that was your first deal back yeah. uh, 11 years ago. And that was your first multifamily property, right? Oh, yeah. And one yeah. of the challenges, I mean, you, you'd mentioned one of the challenges you had in that is that most of the residents didn't even speak English. They were Spanish-speaking yeah. first language. So yeah. how, how did you figure that out? Like, how do you, how do you go into a deal like that and you're self-managing, right? Yeah, because we couldn't afford to pay management. We needed a job. So we gave ourselves a job. So what did um, you do? Did you learn Spanish? Did. What did you, I mean, what did you? We, you know, we're from Tucson, an hour okay. from the border. So you would think that we would know Spanish, but we really didn't. I'm from Southern California and I took three years of Spanish oh, so in high school, know. but I can't carry a conversation at all. Me so. exactly. I feel like I have a, I have, I have a like brain block to it. But <laughs> so I would actually go knock on doors, and they understand rent. Rent. <laughs> I would bring my. I'd bring the ledger. We did it all ourselves, the old-fashioned way. I'd bring the ledger, and I would show them, circle, you know, highlight. Here's how much you owe, and they'd give me money. So the one thing about you know Hispanic people is they don't want to go to court. They don't want to mess, and they want to pay their rent. So. They weren't bad tenants, but communicating with them just was, I had to be hands-on. There was no like texting or, you know, I had to do it the hard way. Right. There was no uh, Google Um, Translate app app you could just like speak uh, into. You know what? We tried that. We tried that like on newsletters and things like that. We wanted to send out newsletters. Mm -hmm. So we would do like a Google Translate or something like that. Come to find out though. There's so many different dialects of, of Spanish right. that it really doesn't translate very well. So they really didn't understand what I was ever saying. So, but what I did end up doing though is after probably six to eight months of doing it the hard way, uh, I met somebody who spoke both languages. She was, you know, an administrator at a school, and she helped me uh, as a side job. Oh, so nice. I brought her in, and she would come and actually speak to the residents for me. And we still did it the hard way. We would go to the, to the residence doors and she would translate for me. So I was able to figure out and, you know, get some help. That mm-hmm. really helped a lot. And then, you know, but once we were able to figure out, like we didn't know property management at all. So making, I made all my own forms. I did all, I did my own court. I did everything myself. And the whole time my husband and I are both just saying, what are we doing? Why, why are we doing this? <laughs> And we just kept thinking, you know, we kept, we ended up with more opportunity and more opportunity. We would find deals. We bought deals with creative financing and 
we, we were growing and we kept managing ourselves and we really weren't happy because we were just working so hard in the business and we really didn't make, get successful until we decided to bring in professional management. Got you. So stop I, doing independent. So, yeah, I mean, that's obviously one part of the business that you is very hands-on and I mean, I'm sure you're still involved even though you hire property management, you're still involved in the, in the management of some, some aspects. We're still very involved. In fact, we're always told that we're more involved than most owners, but it's because we're used to being so hands-on, but at least we don't deal with tenants. So we feel like we're in luxury because we, <laughs> at least we have the middle people to deal with the employees and the tenants and the stuff we hate, but we're still overseeing management. You know, we, we asset manage. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we wouldn't be where we are if we hadn't learned things the hard way. Incredible. So, you know, you have an incredible story, Lisa, and I appreciate you sharing some tidbits with it and giving some really practical advice for our listeners because, you know, we all go through challenges and we all have times in our life where we're afraid and we don't know what's going to be. And I think you gave some incredible tips about your own personal experience. So I really appreciate that. I would I'd love to switch gears if we can jump right into the final four, which maybe we can go a little deeper on these. I usually just ask these four questions. Sometimes people give a one-word answer, and sometimes we, uh, we kind of delve deeper into it. So are you ready for that? I'm ready. Okay, awesome. So first question is, what is the worst job that you ever had? I think I just kind of talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a- <laughs> property being a property manager when I really didn't know what I was doing and trying to communicate with residents when I really didn't know how to do it. It was the worst job, but just like I said earlier, you know, sometimes the worst thing ends up with the, you know, being the best thing you ever did. And I think some of our partnerships, some, some of our partnerships and some of our deals have come to us because of the fact that our part of our value is that we know how to, how to manage property. Mm-hmm. And a lot of owners just go right into hiring property management companies, which is probably the right way to do it. I'm not saying that we did it the right way, but we definitely do it the hard way. And when you do it the hard way, you learn more. So, mm-hmm. you know, when I see property management company, when I see my management company doing something that I don't think is right or doesn't fit, you know, what we believe in, we actually understand it more than most owners do because we've done it and we've been there. But yeah, that's, that's, it's a hard position. Absolutely. Dealing with tenants, you can never make them happy. At least not everyone. Well, got to do your best. I guess uh, dealing with 3,000 tenants at this point is probably... Oh, no. Yeah. You can't please all the people all the time. That's for sure. No. Definitely Amazing. not. Okay. So what is a book that has given you a paradigm shift? Maybe think differently about something. I actually have several of them, but I would say probably probably the biggest one for both my husband and I would be the E-Myth or E-Myth Revisited. It's the one that I think we read. And then we read it every couple of years to remind us basically how to get out of your business and stop working in your business, kind of working on your business, mm-hmm. being overseeing your business, delegating, hiring other people rather than doing what we did for so long. It actually, I mean, like if, if I showed you our portfolio of how, what our growth was, we spent the first seven years at least 
with, we barely got up to 200 units. And wow. after we decided to hire management and get, pull ourselves out, we went into the thousands within wow. a year. So it's working on the outside of your business and overseeing your business. So you can look at the big picture and the big stuff where you're not doing, you know, the day to day because there's only so much time in a day. We were spending too much time running in circles after tenants or even if we had an employee or whatever, we were babysitting our employee and now we've got the management company that does all that for us. So we can focus on the big picture, how to make more money, how to buy more deals. So I definitely awesome. recommend that book. Awesome. The E-Myth and the E-Myth Revisited. Okay. Yeah. Revisited is the one that actually we, we read. And now you can get it on, you know, like an audible. Right, right, of course, yeah. Definitely check that one out. Um, now, question number three, what skill or talent would you like to learn? How to relax. <laughs> how, to, how to clock out. My husband's really good at this. You know, he works hard all day and then five, six o'clock, gets in the hot tub with cocktail and he is, He's done. He, he tries to relax. And I'm still like, oh, did you know this? Did you know? And he's like, nope, clocked out. Wow. I don't know how to do that. I could, I could work all night. I can get up in the middle of the night and check an email. And, and that's a, it's a bad habit. And it's not something that I, that I recommend. So that's I'm sure that's well. a weird answer. But that's a, there's no such thing <laughs> Is that as a, a talent? <laughs> no such thing as a weird answer. That's not, it's an important skill. Uh, I think a lot of people who are yeah. like, a lot of people who are like you in that way regard. I mean, I can relate to that as well. I can be totally plugged in, but at the same time, you know, there are times when I just totally unplug. So, well, that is actually something I completely admire about you. And I've actually mentioned that to you before where you'll say, I'm, you know, unplugging for weeks. What's your longest time? You know, it's, the advantage I have is that I'm kind of bound by, uh, you know, a religion, <laughs> you know, the Jewish family yeah, so you, has very, very strict yeah. rules in, in certain holidays that we don't work. We don't use any electricity, anything yeah. like that. So it's very easy to unplug once you're plugged in, as I like to say it. Yeah. Like I actually, if ran you don't out, have any reason, if you, you have no choice. That's yeah. It's, it. I mean, it's not, I mean, you know, obviously there is a, there's a choice in a certain regard, but yeah, no, there's no choice. There's it's right. pretty kind of dictated. So it's a way to just, and, and I would, I would suggest that people, whether you're, you know, Jewish or not, there's, there's definitely times you take a day, a break in the week, just take a day, just unplug everything. Yeah. Just do not. I am learning how to take Sundays off. And, and that, that's, that's a big thing for me. Trying to train my, my partners to do that is, is a different story, but I'm really trying to work on taking Sundays off. That's step one. Sure. And even if it's a half but a day, I think it's, you know, you, you don't have to yeah. start being sometimes it may be easier for someone to, to start small, you know, take it, just take, say, Hey, for the next six hours, I'm not going to be able to be reached and, you know, make it a point that every week, you know, this time for a certain, you know, and try it. And like everything, new habits are very difficult to start but you just have to jump in and you just have to start. Yeah. That's really the only way to, only way to kind of That's do it. But you can ease in, like I said, you don't have to, but yeah, I've taken off, you know, sometimes I take off 10 days, you know, two weeks, you know, just for certain holidays. And, and it's great. It's, it's amazing. It gives you a big, I bet. but, at, and in the end, and when you come back, 
you realize, hey, the world went on without me. How do you like that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not that much, right. Well, I mean, this this virus situation actually gave a lot of people an excuse to to pause a little bit. You know, some of it I've actually been, you know, okay with, you know, just kind of gave us an excuse to, okay, well, we're going to have to hold off on that project and that project. And right. it really is, has not been too terrible. It's just, it's gone on a lot longer than we, than we want it to. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Lisa. So the last and final question I have for you is what does success mean to you? Freedom to be able to work when I want to work, even though I don't know how to clock out, I still have the freedom to go on vacation if I want to. And I was always able to go to my kids' soccer games. I was always able to, you know, move around my schedule, do things the way that I want to do them. Beautiful. That, so where, this isn't one of the questions, but where is the, where's the, the place you most like to vacation or you have vacations? Um, we almost always end up going to a beach somewhere. <laughs> uh, we're going to be going to Myrtle Beach soon, and Ma we're actually planning a trip to Maui. So just, but I love being with my kids, even though my kids are 18 and almost 21 now. They still will vacation with us, at least now. So I'm going to take advantage of that as long as I can. And mm. the other thing too is that I'm we're training our kids to join our business. So I feel very fortunate that I'm able to take what we've learned and teach them and turn them, or you can't really turn somebody, but share entrepreneurship mm -hmm. with them. So they don't have to go and work for a boss. They can become right. entrepreneurs themselves. Yeah, that's incredible. It's extremely valuable to be able to give that over to your kids and hopefully they'll come on and, and be great partners for you. So Thank you so much, Lisa, for taking the time out today and joining us and sharing some You're of welcome. your it was fun. insights and advice. Thank you. Okay. And to, everyone, yeah, and to everyone listening, until next time, and remember, the best advice only comes when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating or review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn. Send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.